those of you in the first half of the sanctuary, you can take your mask off. Doesn't that feel good? It uh, feels to me like there's a lot to celebrate this morning. Um, it's great to be together. Welcome back to many of you. I know that for some of you, this is your first Sunday back, and it is so good to see you here with us in worship. Welcome, of course, to those of you online. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to join us in person as you're comfortable, but it is so good to be together. Spring is springing up all around us. It's green out. It feels like the Pacific Northwest, uh, which isn't bad for dry Colorado, so we're glad about that. And it's just really, really great to have Joe Cutchell back, and really good to have him. And as, as he mentioned, Emma Hestera has stood in the gap, and she's done such a fabulous job. I, I just want to give another salute to her. And while we're at it, can we just say how great the choir sounds? It is just so good to be together. Well, today's Pentecost Sunday, and I'd like to uh, launch into our text with a bit of background about Pentecost, especially for those who may not know much about Pentecost. Pentecost is Greek for 50, and believe it or not, it has been 50 days since Easter. And so we've been in Easter tide this entire time, thinking about the resurrection and new life of Jesus. And uh, you, you may recall that Jesus uh, appeared to his disciples over 50 days, and then uh, he uh, told them he would leave them, and he promised he would leave the Holy Spirit with them. But let me say a bit more about Pentecost. Pentecost is one of three major Jewish feasts, celebrations. There's the uh, Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, there's the Feast of Passover, and then there's the Feast of Shavuot or Weeks. And it's seven weeks uh, marking from Passover to Shavuot or Pentecost. And the Jews celebrate at Shavuot. They celebrate the ingathering, the ingathering of the barley harvest originally. But then they also added to it the celebration of the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. And so all of this comes together and gets new and fuller meaning on this Christian celebration of Pentecost. And of course, we wear red, as many of you are doing, or orange or yellow, to remember the uh, tongues of flame that we'll read about in just a moment of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the text, the classic text, Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 1. I'll read it, and if you're home, you can follow along, or you can follow along on the screens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, 
Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we think of you today and we are in awe. We also confess a a bit of ignorance when it comes to knowing you and knowing what you can do in our lives. So we pray that you would be our teacher and make this biblical truth come alive in our hearing and in our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. I want to share with you three words. Three words, and I want to see what they stir inside of you. See what they provoke. Don't say anything, but just see what they provoke. Here we go. Three words. Inclusive. Diverse. Multicultural. What does that stir up in you? What does that stir? Are these perhaps the rallying cries of a political agenda? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe these three words are more than that. Maybe these three words are beautiful ideas in the mind of God and beautiful truths the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. I think that creation itself teaches us the importance of these three words, inclusive, diverse, multicultural. Think about how God has created all things. For those of you who like birds or flowers or trees or wildlife, think of the beautiful diversity, the incredible beauty of it all. For those of you who like to look out into the sky and see the galaxies with a a big magnification of some sort, think of the incredible diversity and beauty of God. Think about humankind and all the different shapes and sizes and colors and cultures that God has distributed and allowed to come to flourish on the face of the earth. These are ideas that are beautiful and come forth from the mind of God in creation. But if that weren't clear enough, inclusive, diverse, multicultural, these are things that God has birthed in redemption. Redemption teaches us these things. Think for a moment of Abraham and the promises made to Abraham 4,000 years ago. Abraham who lived in, in the Mesopotamia, 
Abraham who received the promise of God to be a blessing, to reunite the people of the earth. In Genesis chapter 11, you may recall that uh, there was the Tower of Babel incident. Do you remember that? That uh, fallen sinful humanity uh, tried to aspire to become divine, and they together conspired to build this tower to reach into the heavens. And God had to confound their speech, make their speech diverse so much so that they couldn't communicate and get themselves into such deep spiritual danger. That's Genesis 11. But in Genesis 12, God makes a promise to eventually reunite dis, uh, d- distributed broken humanity. And he does this with these words. Let me, let me share them with you. Genesis chapter 12, the promise made to Abraham. that kicks off really the whole Bible story. God says to Abram, I will make of you, make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And here's the key verse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see what God is promising? God is promising to reunite broken humanity. Broken, divided humanity. God is promising to reunite them. And Pentecost is the day. Pentecost is the day. So out of Abram comes the people of Israel, the missionaries of God. These are the people who are planted right at the crossroads of the inhabited earth, right in the Middle East in Palestine, where three main continents come together. He puts puts his missionary people right there to bear witness to all the peoples, to proclaim the saving acts of God. That was Israel's job description, missionaries of God to the world to reunite them all. But if you read the Old Testament, you know that Israel fell down on the job. Israel failed in their role to be God's missionaries, and so God had to go to plan B, which was the fulfillment of Israel's role in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the descendant of Israel. Jesus, the seed of Abram. Jesus becomes the one who restores this grand mission of God. And think of the inclusiveness of Jesus in his earthly ministry. Jesus, who at his very genealogy, as we read it in Matthew and Luke, includes the Gentiles. They're part of his bloodline. Jesus, who includes women, often of ill repute, as part of his bloodline, including them. Think of the Holy Family as they escaped to Egypt to flee King Herod's persecution, how they joined the Arab world, and how they themselves were refugees. Think about the earthly ministry of Jesus where he embraced lepers. He touched the ritually unclean. He welcomed prostitutes and despised tax collectors, including them all and his people. He interacted with Gentiles, despised Gentiles. The Roman centurion he praised, the Syrophoenician woman he endorsed, and the despised half-breed Samaritan woman he welcomed. And if this weren't enough in his resurrection, who does Jesus appear to first? Not a, a man, a famous man, an influential man. No, he appears to Mary Magdalene, a woman, a woman who had been a prostitute and a demoniac. The point is, the ministry of Jesus was all-embracing, inclusive, enfolding of all the people. From his genealogy to his crucifixion to his resurrection and to Pentecost itself, the mission of Jesus is to bring all peoples back to God. 
And Pentecost couldn't be clearer. The Holy Spirit that Jesus sends out to give rise to the church and its mission, the Holy Spirit is an inclusive spirit. Luke is very careful in his narrative that we read to use words like all and every and each. Listen to this. They were all together in one place. The Holy Spirit came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were people from every nation. Each one heard in their own language these things. Peter addresses the Jews and all those gathered. And then in the last days, Joel had prophesied the Spirit would be poured out on all people, all flesh, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Pentecost is inclusive, diverse, and multicultural. Notice how the Holy Spirit brings this beautiful inclusiveness to the early church. The inclusiveness of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost had six dimensions to it. First of all was geography. Geography. Luke talks about the whole inhabited world from his purview, from east to west. All geography is embraced in the kingdom of God. Secondly, Luke is careful to show how language, all languages were included. And if you've ever been in a foreign country and not spoken the language, you know how excluded you feel. But everyone is included, and all can hear in their native tongue. Geography, language, then ethnicity. Ethnicity including the Arabs. Let me just stop there for a moment. A lot of you know I like to go to the Holy Land and take a pilgrimage, and uh, we spend uh, time with Arab Christians, Palestinian Christians, and a lot of people scratch their heads and say, wait a second, I thought Arabs were all Muslim. No, 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 no. This is our text. Before they were Muslim, Arabs were Christian. And today there is still a Christian witness among the Arab people in the Middle East. So all ethnicity are included. Geography, language, ethnicity, and then age. Old and young receive the Holy Spirit and the gift of prophecy. This is why I think we have such a gift in our church. Why we're uh, so blessed to have all different generations here. Uh, I know it's kind of hard to worship in contemporary if you're one of the older folks, and I know that if you're young, it's a little hard to worship in the hymns of the church, but I am so glad we're trying to make it work, at least for now, is that we're coming together and we're embracing that old and young are included in God and in the mission of God, and everyone has an important place. You're never too old, you're never too young to be included. Geography, language, ethnicity, age, gender. Men and women are included equally. The gift of prophecy, authoritative speech on God's behalf, is given to women as well. Why do we ordain women in the Presbyterian tradition to elder, deacon, or minister of the word and sacrament? Because of this text. If God pours out the Spirit and gives gifts to women, we better let them use those gifts, or we might stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. This is why we embrace the fullness of women in ministry. Geography, language, ethnicity, age, gender, and finally economics and social status. Both free and slave are included. Our text calls them servants, but they're slaves. Slaves are welcomed as well. Do you see what God is doing? God is reuniting all broken humanity in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is inspiring this. And this is beautiful. This moves John Stott to write in his commentary this. 
The miracle of tongues at Pentecost, he writes, symbolized a new unity of the spirit transcending racial, national, and linguistic barriers. Nothing could have demonstrated more clearly than this, the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. Wow. Paul couldn't have made it more concise and more to the point in Galatians 3 when he wrote this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. That is beautiful. It doesn't mean that the things that make us who we are are automatically erased. That's not the point. It does mean that the divisions, the stratification of society doesn't mean anything anymore in Jesus. We are all one. And this is what mobilizes us to build that kind of unity. And the church can be the example of that in the world. And then I can't resist showing you how John sees it in the book of Revelation. This is where we're headed. You want to know the future? This is it. Take a look at Revelation chapter 7. John shows us where we're headed. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they are worshiping together. This is the church. And uh, it is beautiful, and it is inclusive and diverse and multicultural. Oh, if we could only live it, right? Oh, if we could only live it. Because Christ's church struggles and always has with the human divisions that try to tear it apart. Inclusive, diverse, multicultural, those are our birthright in Jesus, and yet we don't live that way. What do they say that America's most segregated hour? 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. How sad that is. Jesus invites us. Jesus inspires us. Jesus calls us to live out this beautiful, inclusive, diverse, multicultural nature in our lives together. And this calls us on a journey, doesn't it? Because all of us are somewhere on that journey of learning how to do this. And um, I want to share with you a little bit about my journey in this. Uh, Tell you kind of what I'm learning. I'm, I'm in process just like anybody else. But I want you to know that I was born with some diversity in my veins. Uh, My dad is a German immigrant, came to this country when he was a a young man, married to my mother who's American. I grew up with a dad who had an accent, a dad who couldn't relate to a lot of the things I grew up with. I didn't get to play Little League Baseball because it didn't seem important. Uh, I didn't do sleepovers at at my friend's house because that's not the German way. Um, But I did get to travel. And my sister and I got to travel, and we had half our family in Europe and learned to speak the language. And uh, I got a a view of the world that was unique and different, and it has shaped me ever since. Uh, And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for all that my father has given to me. I uh, went to college in Berkeley. Berkeley, of course, a very incredibly diverse place. And uh, after Berkeley, I went to London to work at the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, the brainchild of Dr. John Stott. And I uh, volunteered for the year, but I got a lot of perks. And one of them was I got to attend the classes that Dr. Stott and others offered there. And the Christian in the Modern World class was most remarkable. 
Fall of 1985, I was one of about 30 students uh, taking this course. They were from all around the world. And uh, I'll never forget, I got to meet all of them and get, become close to many of them. But I'll never forget John David and Mike Ocasia from Tanzania. John David had the most interesting story. He was very poor. He pastored in a rural part of the country. All he had to his name was a pig and a typewriter. He sold his pig. He brought his typewriter with him. He made it to the capital city of his country because he felt God had called him to this course in London. He went to the different church pastors and told them the calling that God had given him, and they took collections for him. And they found enough money for him to get on that plane and fly to London where I picked him up and took him into central London. All he had was a thin sweater. And that was his story. And there were all kinds of stories like that from Latin America and Asia, from Eastern Europe and all over the world. 30 students coming together to learn more about what it meant to follow Jesus in the modern world. And I'll never forget the last night we had together. Everybody was encouraged to bring a, a meal or a dish from their culture. We had this incredible feast. And then we had a worship service. And we were together singing the praises of Jesus. And I'll, I'll just never forget this. We all had our hands in a big circle. And there we were. And I realized that this kind of praise I would never feel again until I got to heaven. That kind of beauty and diversity. And it was all in Jesus. And I got a taste of it. And it was incredible. Came back to the United States. Uh, ended up back in Berkeley where I was a college ministry intern back at First Press Berkeley. Uh, met Rupali uh, from West Bengal, Calcutta, India. And my life got richer. And it continues to be rich. We went, after we were married, to Pasadena where I attended seminary. And there we experienced the L.A. riots after the Rodney King incident. The skies at noonday were blackened by the smoke from the fires. It was one of the most terrifying events I'd ever lived through. And I had to preach that Sunday. A guest preacher, a seminary guest preacher at a mixed-race church. What would I say? I'm not exactly sure what I said, but it shaped me. It shaped me deeply. And I'll tell you what, I said this. I said, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I uh, got my first call in ministry to Oakland, back to the Berkeley, Oakland area, where I pastored a small church. And Oakland uh, was then, and I think it is still now, America's most diverse city. There's no racial majority in Oakland. And I pastored a mostly white, mostly older church, and I got to join in prayer with pastors in the East Bay Pastors Prayer Meeting once a month with the most diverse group of pastors you could ever ask for. There were several of us who were white, mainline Protestant pastors, but we were with black, Asian, and other low church Pentecostals. And we prayed together month after month. And I began to form friendships with some of these clergy. And particularly, I became friends with uh, this person. This is my friend, Bishop Michael Johnson. This is, uh, he and I both have aged since we were friends back then. <laughs> uh, but, but this is my friend, Michael. And he and I became close. Uh, and we uh, went on double dates with our spouses. And we, we not only did a pulpit swap, let me tell you, we did more than a pulpit swap. We uh, trusted each other, and we decided we would all worship at one church. And so we uh, closed our church on a Sunday, imagine that, closed our church, bussed our people over into deep East Oakland, 
where I preached and we had a multi-ethnic gathering, multi-racial gathering, and then we had a big potluck afterwards. And then they did the same and came to our church. And it was beautiful. And in fact, uh, this next picture I love because this is the Church of God in Christ. It's Calvary Temple in Oakland. And you see that cross? That cross was originally in our sanctuary in Oakland. And when we remodeled our sanctuary, we gave them that cross. And that became our, to this day, uh, our, our bond. It's in Jesus, the center of our friendship. Do you see what it, the point is? The point is God has given us this rich diversity, this rich inclusiveness in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, this brilliant multicultural aspect to the church. It's our gift. Can we not live it? Can we not embrace it? Can we not show it forth? I don't know what this means for you, but these are some of the things that's meant for me. In Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, God is fulfilling the promises made to Abraham to reunite and to include and to gather back in all humanity in Jesus. And we are called on a journey to live like that. And it's hard in a place like Boulder. We're not exactly sure how to do this. But let us not give up doing it or trying to do it. And so this is what I want to pray for in your life as we conclude, that God would give you a next step. What would that be? Could be the way you pray. Could be the way you look at the news or your coworkers or your fellow students. How does God call us to respond? That's our challenge. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for this wonderful gift. And we so rarely get glimpses of it. And we pray for more of that. Thanks for this lovely text and for Pentecost. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Uh, like me, they live in a fairly monochrome existence, and I pray that you would help us to somehow embrace and understand and live out this beautiful diversity that we've been discussing. Uh, help us uh, pray, help us live in ways that would glorify you as we consider this amazing uh, church that you have given us. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to be seated for now.